Hello and welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm Chris Lee. I'm joined by Billy Derrick and Luke White on our Wednesday Roundtable episode. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. This show and this channel presented by Anchor Impact. Billy, have at it to tell the folks about Anchor Impact and the work it is doing in NIL and, and how our listeners might be able to help. Yeah, Commodore Nation, you can get closer to Vanderbilt Athletics than ever before with Anchor Impact. They are the official NIL collective for Vanderbilt University. You can gain access to unmatched exclusive coverage and be part of a one-of-a-kind community. As a member, you gain exclusive privileges and benefits that offer deeper engagement with the student-athletes, coaches, staff, and the entire Vanderbilt community. You have access to behind-the-scenes content, exclusive events, unique merchandise, and personalized experiences. You also become a catalyst for change, redefining the landscape of college athletics and showcasing the potential impact of NIL on student-athletes' lives. Contribute now by logging on anchorimpact.com slash register that's anchorimpact.com slash register all right today's show and actually basketball season is presented by the wash house are you dreading laundry day is it stealing time to do the things you truly enjoy let the laundry professionals at the wash house take care of that for you with two convenient locations in the greater nashville area just drop off your dirty laundry And our professional attendants can give you back the one thing you can never have enough of. That is your time. Within 24 hours, you can pick up your nicely folded, fresh, and clean laundry ready to be put away. Check them out at washhouseclean.com. Stop in today. Get your time back. Steve Andrews, a good friend of mine. Uh, This is a family business. They work hard. Big Vanderbilt supporter. If you have a need in the area of laundry. Steve is your guy. Uh, you enjoy getting to know him if you get to meet him. And again, they just do great work, and we're thankful for their role in helping us out here. This show also presented by our friends at the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Studio. It's a family-owned third-generation milk and ice cream distribution company located in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. A partnership began 50 years ago with Purity Dairy in Nashville to provide Purity Milk and Ice Cream to consumers in Middle Tennessee. They now serve Southern Kentucky, Northern Alabama, Chattanooga, North Georgia. Today, they supply grocery stores, convenience stores, others with purity products, as well as Mayfield, Nestle, and Haagen-Dazs ice cream. For more information, visit their website at mpmci.com. Good folks, Vanderbilt alums. Um, Boy, ice cream. We know about my love for ice cream, and they will get it to you. The purity homemade vanilla. Probably still my my favorite in, in their brand of offerings as far as purity goes. That that goes with anything. You can do it. My son does throw chocolate syrup in and make a shake out of it, or you can just eat it straight up like I do. Um, anyway, I have a question for you, Chris. When you really go wild on ice cream, what do you go for? Hmm. I I, I I'm state the, the the homemade vanilla. I was not a vanilla guy growing up. But I, I, you taste buds change. I, I think a good, not just vanilla, but a good homemade vanilla. It just tastes different. Yeah, vanilla bean, those things are fine, but homemade vanilla is is right up my alley. And I'll put, I'll put some hot fudge on it. Maybe do it with the brownie. Um, maybe some Cool Whip or whipped cream and, and sprinkles occasionally. So it just depends on what's on on hand and, and how much I've been running. Chris, I, I, I picture at y'all's house, y'all have like a very, very uh, like 
antiquated milkshake machine where like for the i mean how do you do you guys just have a blender i feel like y'all have like some ice cream set up up in the kitchen with with how much you guys you guys love it uh <laughs> what's that the old stainless steel kind of milkshake machine remember yeah y you know um we don't but the christmas my wife's down the road. this earmuffs so you know they they <laughs> The, the, the ideas are coming. There, there might be something that just shows up on a doorstep from Amazon. I don't know how it got here. Um, <laughs> that could do that, but currently it's a, it's a blender. That's, that's how we roll. But I, I think we might need to get the operation a little more advanced now that you, you bring it up. <laughs> Love it. All right. Any, anything that keeps us from talking basketball, right? That's, that's <laughs> kind of where we are. Uh, Billy, I wasn't in the gym. You were look, here's, here's the state of things. We know what happened Saturday. It wasn't really, the, the score was to me was secondary. Uh, Vanderbilt's heading to Auburn tonight. I'm trying to find the line on it. The computers have it low 20s, which is just, yeah. I mean, that's the, the day Vanderbilt to 20 point underdog to Auburn in basketball is just another, another data point in the, the bizarre world in which we're, we're now witnessing. Uh, Billy, I don't know. But Luke, were you there at the game? Yes. Okay. Well, I, I watched from TV. Um, Billy, I'll, I'll just let you start with your thoughts on things. Yeah, I. It was a. It was as bad as it sounded. Um, on on TV because I went back and watched some of the highlights, and it kind of reaffirmed how how loud it really was in there uh, on the on the Tennessee side of things. Um, you know, they open the gates at four o'clock. They usually open the gates about an hour and a half before tip off. They didn't open the gates until a little after four game tipped off at five. I don't know if that was an effort to, I, I don't know what that was, but I, they usually open an hour and a half. So even with a later gate open, um, you know, Tennessee fans got in there and they were, I mean, they were fired up. They were ready to go. And you could tell the Vanderbilt fans that were there were not, they, they weren't even really looking. You know, you heard the boos for Coach Stack. You heard some boos. Um, even when when Candace Lee walked out, I mean, it was uh, it was ugly. Um, you know, and it was something I didn't, like, you, you know, we talked about it. Um, or you guys talked about it. I wasn't on last week, but. And, and what you anticipate, you know, you can anticipate something, but as, as, as soon as it happens, there's a feeling in you where you kind of just personally, man, you kind of go, man, this is, this shouldn't be happening. This, this, this should not have gotten to this level. And it's really, I talked to a lot of Tennessee people and they, they said the same thing, you know, they, the SEC wants Vanderbilt to, to be competitive. And with things like this that keep happening, optically whatever the like you said chris the product isn't even the story the story is tennessee fans taking over a gym that is beloved to, to vanderbilt fans but it doesn't seem like it is anymore um and and so you know the fans have spoken tennessee fans certainly spoke and uh yeah it is just sad we're not even talking about the product um joey and i hinted at that it was fun to honestly see dalton connect the kid is, he, he's unreal um, but it, yeah, Luke, it's just, this shouldn't be happening. No. And, uh, you know, we've seen it gradually get worse and worse. You know, I, I talked about last year when Vanderbilt won the game and, uh, it was still, 
that kind of got lost last year that it was a 50-50 crowd. So now this year it's probably, nine, I would guess, yeah. 9,000 Tennessee and maybe 4,000 Vanderbilt because you had 1,500 or so students and the, the other 3,500 Vandy fans that come. Uh, but, yeah, you, it's it's embarrassing. Uh, every uh, Any adjective you want to take to describe it, uh, the people that are in charge don't care, obviously. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse made a comment on to Kevin Ingram and Tim Thompson that it was a great atmosphere. Well, that tells you where his mind is. Uh, you know, I, I, it's just it needs to be. You know, when the old when the old chalkboard years ago used to be, need, you need to clap the erasers and wet down the chalkboard and wipe it clean. That's what needs to happen. Look. I was on an island four years ago with why this wouldn't work. I knew it wouldn't work because there was a lot of stuff I knew that I've, I've never gone public with. And I've, I've started to come out with a little bit here and there, but you got to, sometimes you got to keep your mouth shut for, for a lot of reasons. Uh, not, not the least of which is protecting the people who give you what you do. I, I think the podcast, and I know people get upset sometimes that it's a little cryptic and, I realize you can use that to to shield yourself from having to to prove something. In other words, I can I can apply something about Billy that's bad and not come out and say it. Uh, and, and this is all for example. I don't have anything bad to say about <laughs> Billy. But point point is that there's there's a game that people play. Well, I could say, well, I I could tell you stuff about Billy Derrick, uh, but I I just can't say that and and leave an impression that Billy he's got some kind of sinister side to him and hide behind that as a defense. So I, I get it. I will just tell you this. I've always been honest with people. I've been wrong about stuff at times, but there's never been a day that I've come to the mic or come to the site. And I've been dishonest. Um, Luke, you know that, you know, the funnel of stuff that goes into my ears the last few years and, and how many dozens of conversations have we had where I've said, Luke, this is what I know to be true. Um, you know, this is why I can't say it because I got to protect this or for just reasons of stuff gets turned against you. But I've, I've got receipts here. You can go You can go back to four years ago where I, I knew all the reasons this would not work. Sometimes you just have to kind of let things play out and let people see it for themselves. And, and I, I think you're seeing it for yourself now. Well, I guess the thing I uh, I don't understand, and I know what what, what my res the response will be: How can anyone defend what's going on over there? I've heard people try to defend it. I I, I don't get that. How, how in the world can you defend uh, allowing a coach to say some of the things he's said, and then the product to be so poor? You watch what Miles Studi did last night to beat Tennessee. Now, I understand Studi was a, uh, a flashpoint where, you know, you either liked him or you didn't like him and that. But, obviously, if you had Studi and Jordan Wright and Quentin Malore Brown, I think this team would be better. I don't know how much better, but when you replace them with Taylor and Comateros and whoever I'm forgetting, you know, that just shows me he doesn't know how to construct a roster. Yeah, Luke, <laughs> go ahead, Billy. I'm sorry. I was just going to add, you know, we've talked 
ad nauseum about that. And to to already kind of be moving past a lot of the the things we've talked about, you know, it like you said, similar to football, we just were fi- trying to find new things, and the new thing is is you know the the man at the top now. You know why has this gone so wrong? And, and Luke, you mentioned it. We talked about the player retention, um, but I also somebody told me this last week, uh, talking about Stackhouse and you know what this looks like for the program for the future, and you know the fact that there hasn't been a anything publicly from the administration could be a good thing, but you know it could also be. You know, where, where is something, you know, the fans need something, whether it is, you know, uh, a statement on how oh, you posted it to Twitter, wherever it is, just I, you know, I think the fans are kind of sitting here saying, OK, we, we want something. We want some answers. Um, but the fact that, you know, you haven't gotten it, I guess you could look at it as a good thing. But, Chris, that at the end of the day might even be grasping for straws and you got to wait till the end of the season. Look, I, I'm going to back up several steps and you're going to say people listening to say, well, how is this relevant to anything? The great Kirkland takeover of media relations in, in 2020 mm-hmm. um, at the time that blindsided everybody on campus, nobody knew what it was about. I mean, I say blindsided. I, I talked to people that have been in the middle of it in the middle of meetings. And they all said, Hey, look, you you could kind of see this coming the day somebody gave permission and signed off to let this happen. And Malcolm Turner had said no to it. Um, and, and Candace Lee was officially on the job for, I don't know, three, four months. And it, and it happened. And, and no, nobody knew what that was at the time. I had some suspicions. Um, what that was about messaging and control are at the center of all this. And, and the school and I know people don't believe this, but look at how the results have played out. Look at the records. Look at look at the the hows, wins, whys, wheres, and even the press releases. The school will eventually tell you what their what its priorities are by by what it promotes, and by the losing that it allows to fester, the the lack of crowds and memorial. I don't really. I'm at the point where if you're paying attention, I don't have to tell you anything. But I, I think I think what happened with media relations and that getting all sucked inside of Kirkland and reorganizing people being let go, the school decided it was going to take a greater. And I think some of it was probably well intentioned, but I think I think the messaging component is the biggest thing here. I, I think the school is way more concerned about the messaging, and I don't think the messaging is necessarily aimed towards the people that are in the building. I could go on for a while, but but I think people have underrated that as a component. I think right now we're in an era, and you see it, where everybody who's been there a while knows how to talk around things and talk through things and direct attention away. All the talk that's coming out of there is either, hey, look at our leadership, how great is this? And I think you got a coach who's lived and learned under it. I think he knows now, okay, I can just kind of deflect something over here. I can say, hey, we can go get five stars. And I think this is a place where Vanderbilt is set up to let the talking do the talk and not let the results do the talk. And it's intentional. 
Um, it's been that way for a long time. I think a lot of fans have kind of swallowed it without a lot of critical analysis. And I think that explains a lot where we are because you got a coach, you, you can look at his post game and he's just saying ridiculous things like this is a great atmosphere. No, it wasn't a great atmosphere, but, but, but they, they have been able to talk their way around things for so long and the way that they are able to control the message. And you can do that with sticks and you can do that with carrots and they know how to do both. I really think their priority is what they put in front of you. And, and, and again, you can, you can say what you want about it, but the scoreboard tells you all you need to know. I'm going to simplify what all you just said, Chris, by this. Uh, and I, I'm a simple man. Back during Christmas, I went shopping for my wife at Green Hills Mall. And they had that beautiful tree with all those beautiful presents wrapped underneath the tree. Well, that's what Vanderbilt does. They wrap up a beautiful gift. And the outside, the packaging looks great. And you open it up and it's an empty box. And that's where they're at right now. Obviously, Sands, Tim, Corbin, and some Olympic sports. But the football and basketball, men's basketball and football right now, they got to come with something. It's obvious. I mean, it's just – it's deteriorated to as bad as it can get, I think. Now, Kentucky may be a little worse, but probably not. It'll probably be the same thing, nine and four, I would guess the crowd will be. Uh, but it'll be the same thing. You'll be listening to Go Big Blue. And, again, I go back to the same thing I've always said. It ain't about us. It ain't about anything but those kids to me. And that's what I hate. That's the part that I hate more than anything, having to watch those kids play. Everybody else gets nine home games and nine away games. Vanderbilt gets six home games that are mostly neutral floor, and then they have to play 12 on the road, so to speak. Yeah, Look, I'll, I'll, go, they- I'll go one step further and simplify everything you just said in one really short clip. Nobody knows how to sell the emperor's clothes like Vanderbilt. Yep. That's good. Yeah, and the, you know, it was it's so clear right now that we are living in a, in a different reality than they are. Yes. You know, the way we the way we think, you know, covering Vanderbilt, Luke, as long as you've been there, you know, as as basically an encyclopedia of information and the fans, the way we think about them is not the way they think about Vanderbilt athletics and how it should be operated. And that has, that has become so clear. I mean, Chris, I'm sure it's been clear to y'all for a while, a lot longer than it has for me, but that is something that has just, I mean, there are two alternate universes here and we're living in one of them. They're living in the other. Bill, I'm going to go a step further. Um, (laughs) And then I think we're just going to get to the mailbag. Um. You, you nailed it with everything. I, I keep trying to tell people this in podcasts and the board, take take whatever you think about athletics and, and throw it out and, and how things should run. And <laughs> it, it, look, at some point, maybe, but that's just not how it works. You've got to remove your own goggles through which you see the world and look at what's in front of you and, and make your own interpretation. Throw out everything that you think would apply anywhere else. Put it in the trash can and just look at what happens. And, and just, I don't even have to tell you more other than what's in front of you. That That's <laughs> enough to, to let you know. And, and I, I will say one more thing. I think all this talk, talk about a coaching search is premature. I mean, 
sure that there, there could be stuff going on behind the scenes. I'm, I'm not saying I'm not sitting here saying to you, I know for a fact they're not planning to make a change. I'm just saying I think the number of people that would know that are very small, and that's probably not getting leaked out to the media until Vanderbilt is making a change. I would also tell you, for everybody excited about a coaching search, um, I, I don't know. I, 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 I think I'm starting to get enough hints about what might be coming if they were to do it that I, I think they could lock themselves into another bad search with a bad outcome and then you're stuck with the next guy for five more years. So I, I, this might be a be careful what you wish for scenario that, that could play out even if they do make a change. I, I could be wrong about that. There could be some world where sanity and common sense and looking at it like the fans listening to this prevails. But there, I mean, maybe there's a chance there's enough pressure on it, but you leave the machine to its own devices over there and, and they always go in a certain direction. And that may not be what you think I'm saying. That that can mean a lot of things, but I, I would not I would not take anything for granted um, for over the next two months about what may or may not coming be coming with men's basketball. Well, and whether this is good or bad for the fans from the fans' perspective, Chris, I think you mentioned this on the board. Jerry Stackhouse has some fight. You know, he's he he was a very successful player. Yeah, you know, he knows how to win but he has realized that with this group, it's tough. <laughs> uh, I mean, <clears throat> you know, you've got two to three guys that you can really rely on every night. Um, but I think the one thing here to watch, Chris, is, you know, how much fight do they have? They, as in the players, right? And this is going to be up to the players, um, you know, and so I think that could that could affect this decision. I mean, <laughs> say they win. Say they go on a little run here and win four, five, six games in the conference that that could change some things. So it, it, this is going to be interesting. And, but for the opponents like tonight, Auburn cannot afford a loss to Vanderbilt. So the opponents now, especially in the sec, how tight the sec is, you got to think about that too. They, you, you cannot afford a loss to this Vandy team. Um, you know, if say Tennessee would have lost, that's, that's a whole seed, you know, maybe even two. So you got to look at the opponents and how they will not want to lose to Vanderbilt. Hey, a huge positive. We moved up to 188 in Ken Palm. Hmm. Moving on up. Here we go. <laughs> All right, let's just do the mailbag. <laughs> While you get that ready, uh, the mailbag is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call, 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. The longest-running sponsors of the podcast, they are the only ones that have been with us since the very beginning. Wonderful human beings. Um, should you have a need, and I hope you don't, uh, they are the people to contact. Guest line presented by John Levin and the Mater Nexus Government Contracts Group. Mater Nexus advises, advises government contractors on all aspects of their needs with a proud focus on matching legal solutions to business needs. They've even got their very own Chris Lee. He's probably better at his job than I am at mine. Give them a look. If you have a need for such things, and again, we we thank them for being a sponsor of our show. All right, Billy, I think we had a couple of dozen mailbag questions. I'm I'm pretty sure we're not going to get to all of them, but I'll let you, you you pick some of the more pertinent ones. 
All right, we had. I want to get to this one. This was the first one, and I did get clarification on this. Lobel asking where or when the new football weight room will be built, which is a good question. Um, any specific details on size and extra features? Luke, I don't know if you've heard anything. I got clarification that they haven't released anything publicly yet. So I don't know if that means they don't know yet, which I don't understand why that would be the case. But yeah, so I, I wanted to get to that uh, that question there. Um, let's see here. Okay. It's a good one on football. And I think you guys might've touched on it last week. Uh, VU Titans, whose idea was it to bring Jerry kill in? Was it Clark Lee or somebody else? Um, you know, I would imagine it was Clark. And I think we, we have talked about that and, and, you know, the, the impact that could have on the team. Uh, and then he also asks, does Tim Beck and Jerry kill have complete control of everything on offense? I, I would say yes to that. Luke, we've talked about that, uh, and I think that's that's a good thing. That's You've covered it. That's correct on all all three factors. Um, How did okay. he connect with, with Jerry Kill, Luke? You you probably have more background. And by the way, I did I did get a text from somebody last night. It's, been pretty, it, it's Jerry Kill's offense from what I'm told. Yeah. No, I, I think, uh, Chris, it was more of the connection to uh, Tim Beck. Okay. Jerry Kill. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Okay. J2M, where is rock bottom for this athletic department? I think we, we have kept uh, – we've kept rediscovering. We continue to rediscover uh, kind of a new uh, rock bottom. That, honestly, Chris, might be a good question. <laughs> I mean, I, I – Look, Luke. You, you, Luke. You tell me if I'm wrong. I, I don't think the athletic departments. I, I don't think its driving motivation is to, to win games. I think it is to keep the people who have the power in charge of the power, and I think everything falls in line from there. Is that too hard? No, it's about right. I think it's winning, but winning the way you want to try to put a narrative out yes. there. You know. Um, Tim Corbin does his own thing, and he's been there now 22 years or 23 years, whatever it is. And uh, we all know why Tim is successful is because he separated himself from what the McGugan way of doing things is, and he took no for, you know. And then he started winning early on. Yeah. So, yeah, we're not going to see any change until the mindset has changed in that athletic department and that university. You know, there's times when I go back and forth, Chris and uh, Billy, who to blame. And, you know, we talked about that Spider-Man thing you brought up. Is it the university? Do we blame the university for doing what they're doing? Or does it just blame athletics and athletics only? I'm going to, I'm going to add something there. Um, Somebody knows him really well said everything over there is set up to where everybody avoids specific accountability. That's why you hear people talking in vague terms. That's why I promise it's set up to where everybody can just sort of, and these are my words, live the fight another day without, without anybody putting a rope around their own neck. And I think that, that more than anything explains, um, what we're looking at. There's, there's more here I had to add, but it's escaped me for the moment. Yeah. Well, yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, Billy. 
I was just going to add with all the construction going on, um, whether it's optics, you know, re recruiting the effect on recruiting, getting portal kids. I mean, you know, just walking on Vanderbilt's campus um, and looking around kind of going, you know, what, what is, what is this going to look like? What's going on here? You know, this, I mean, it's been like this now for almost two years. I started thinking about that the other day and saying, okay, maybe it doesn't change a ton when everything is done, but just the way it feels, I mean, I, I feel for a lot of the student athletes, you know, because their path to, to the facility might be different right now than it has been. You know, I, I just, I think about that, Luke, and, I, and it kind of makes me think, I wonder if that has had an effect on, on, uh, on the performance and just overall, like the feel of it, um, you know, and maybe, again, maybe this changes, maybe it doesn't when everything's done, but you know, I, I just, I, I thought about that the other day. Yeah. it's, it's Luke, I, Go ahead. Go ahead. It's inconvenient for everybody right now. And look, yeah. I, I don't have a problem with that. My, my fat butt needs to walk a little more. <laughs> so I don't have a problem with that, but I, I, you're right for the athlete standpoint. They have to look at that all the time when they're coming over there. But, you know, I just, the only criticism I have of that is, it seems like to me, and I'm no expert and I'm no engineer, but it seems like it's taking way too long to do this. Look, the, the other part of what I was going to add is when I've had conversations of people who, who sit in rooms when decisions are being made and have been made, and this has been going on for a long time. And we saw this with, like, you know, Zeppos and David Williams kept playing the, the point the finger game forever, and he never could pinpoint whose fault anything was and it was believable on both accounts but the thing that you come down to is you you talk to them and and you'll they'll say well we, we just can't do it like that here because we don't do it like that here um and we can't do it like that here i'm like so what you're telling me you're constantly pointing the finger back at yourself is if there's some kind of entity that, that's got control of you that that, that you have a that you don't have, it, it's the weirdest thing. Their, their ability to point and say, well, we, we can't do things like this because we can't do things like this. Like, d d does nobody have a hand on the, on the steering wheel? Like, are, are you, are you all victimless in this? Does, can nobody have any control over results? Or, I mean, it, it's, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. The, the way that they can keep, Oh, you can't do this. But what you're really doing is you're saying we can't do it because we can't do it. Well, well, who who is we? It, it's 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 the most bizarre thing I've ever seen, and, and that's that's why this thing keeps getting stuck where it is. I love to give these silly examples, and I'll give you another one, Chris and Billy. It's like if you have a lineup with your kids. Say you got six kids, and they've done something wrong at the house, and you don't know who did it, and you say, okay. Yeah. All y'all are getting in trouble unless one of you steps forward. Well, at Vanderbilt, everybody takes one step back. Yeah. Everybody gets in trouble. All right. Uh, here's, a, here's a decent one here from Jerry Lawless 3. With the history you guys have being within and around the department, I'm fascinated by the stories you could tell. What do you have? What do we have to do for a Chris and Luke tell-all spectacular? NDAs, <laughs> live in-person show with your yonder pouches. <laughs> I don't even know what that last part is, but what what do you think? Tell all spectacular, guys. As if you haven't told it all. I can tell oh, we, we haven't. Yeah. 
I mean, we've told a lot, but we're not still hadn't scratched the surface of what I've known. The well, art I, of this is is knowing what to say and when to say it and how to say it and what to hold back. And there's there's a lot we've held back. But I I just is, Luke, you you and I've had this conversation how many dozen times. What, oh. what what do we do with this? What do we do with this information that I got today or you got today or whatever? I I mean, we've been doing it for five years at least. Yes. So, and and how how much have we come out with? What 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 percentage would you put on it? I mean, I, I can tell you what I know and what you know. Maybe you have a different percentage. From my standpoint, I've probably come out with 60 to 70% of what I know. Okay. To be fact. Yeah. You probably lower than that or yeah. higher than that, however you want to look at it. Lower. <clears throat> you know, uh, because you want, if you do come out with some of the stuff, you're portrayed as either a racist or, uh, you're uh, biased, or I don't, I don't. Okay, here is a good one. Here, back to basketball from BMR seventeen. How can an AD or person of power at Vanderbilt truly watch Ole Miss and South Carolina be eighteen and three with big crowds and quick turnarounds in one off season, and not be ticked off that we are the second worst Power Five team in America? Sorry, DePaul. <laughs> um. You know, I'll say to that, like you said earlier, Chris, we don't we don't know what what Candace Story Lee is thinking right now. Now, the fans would love to would love to think. I mean, if if the there was a truth serum right now, and we found out that Candace Story Lee is fed up and she's convinced and she has mentally made the decision that she's making a change. That would be reassuring, but we're not getting that. You know, we have there, there hasn't been a public statement. There hasn't been anything like you said earlier, Chris. She could have already made that decision mentally. Um, she could have already had at least started some of these conversations. And the feeling around like Jerry Stackhouse after the game has after several games actually has started to admit more things that he hasn't admitted in, in the past, at least in this season. You know, he said, listen, we lost a lot after last year and kind of, you know, the, the feeling in there, Joe and I've talked about it. The tone uh, has shifted a, a little bit. Um, but Chris, we, we just, I mean, we can't really answer. I mean, we don't know. Are they ticked off? We don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem like, it doesn't feel like it of course, because you haven't had anything publicly, but I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know that maybe they are. Uh, let's see here. B- body language and public statements have not tracked with that feeling. All right. Denver door. Uh, any rumblings from sources on how the administration took the, uh, took the UT loss last week, more upset with the direction of the program or still indifferent. I would say still indifferent. I mean, we haven't, we haven't gotten anything. There should be a uh, step from our athletic director about we're sorry, we apologize to the, to the fans that did come. We apologize to the fans that feel like they can't come anymore and support this, and we're going to do something about it. But that's not going to happen. Let's see here. Uh, NBA door. How How's our golf program looking? How many of our guys are going pro after the season? You know, that's a good question. Uh, there's a couple of guys that have gone – 
not pro, but there was a guy from Tennessee that just signed with Liv. Uh, there's a guy at Alabama who's about 20 years old, I think, and just won big tournament, a pro pro tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Sergeant is gonna, <laughs> Sergeant. He's he's gonna. I mean, he is a pro already. Um, it, I think he's gonna have a decision to make if because Liv is gonna come after him with some money. Um, does he want to be in the PGA Tour or Liv? So I think you know that's gonna be something to watch. But that's a facility that's being built out at, you know, the at, at their facility. It's gonna be beautiful. Uh, and they're going to be they're going to be really good. I mean, we're, you're talking about golf now, guys, with baseball as a you know a team that's going to be in the running for a national title every year now. I, I'm not I can't get into detail, um, but yeah, I feel like we're we're talking about that uh, every spring. Let's see here, Dorfan Six. When is the episode that you've been teasing about the athletic department? I think you, Chris, did, did we talk about that before we recorded? Uh, potentially in March, maybe. <sighs> I I don't know. I've been I've been batting around a, a state of the union, but I don't know what we could say that we have. No, look, I I I can I can tell you. You've seen we, we cover four programs. The one that runs on its own, without influence, is is chumming along quite quite nicely. Chumming along. I don't know if that's even a phrase. Humming Journey. along is what I meant to say. Churning along. <laughs> humming churning whatever it's doing its thing and they're i think they'll be fine uh the, the other three i think speak for themselves i think that you, you have seen football in the last four years hit a new low that, that as bad as it's been you've never seen a team that that forfeited didn't forfeit that, that went winless and also didn't finish the season because there weren't enough players left same thing happened in basketball and winless in the conference team quit because morale was awful. Um, and, and then now men's basketball, which I think is even this bad was better than probably both those. That's that's the state of things. I, I, I don't know what more I could say. I mean, I've, I've debated getting on here and dissecting it, but we'd all end at the same point. At some point, you mm-hmm. you say the thing enough and, and people tune you out. Um, and that that's just kind of where I am. I, I don't. It's it's just it's depressing to watch this whole thing. It's depressing to watch people that are held the victim of a system that is designed to keep a very select few people in control of it all. And and part of my language, the hell to with everybody else. That includes your players, that includes your coaches, the people that you're supposed to serve. I mean, if I if I could give you sixty seconds in a nutshell, that's it. And I, I don't know anything else that you could add at that point is just either painting around the edges, or or if you want to take the pessimistic point of view, it's piling on. Yeah, that that's the bottom line. It's just sad, really. I mean, that, that's that's what I'll add. Um, all right, DFW Mark, gun to your head, is Stackhouse back next year? And will you have a better answer in four weeks? I think Luke and I have said no. Chris, could you have a better answer in four weeks? Too early. Well, yeah, in four weeks maybe. I, I, I keep telling people they don't hear it. I think right now is is premature to make a judgment. I, I think it's we're at least two to three weeks out from from having a better. And I don't know that we'll have a sense. I mean, the, the Mason thing when it when it that news came out. Now there was. There was talk before the season they were going to move on from him. 
I kind of dismissed it because they say all kinds of stuff to all kinds of people. And the, the message can change um, from, you know, Luke, they could tell you one thing. And, and Billy, when you're in the room and you're lean is a different way, they'll tell you the opposite. And, and that's why it, it's hard to trust what what is said. Um, they, they fired Mason after the season. What will happen is nobody will probably know it's coming and it'll get leaked to a national person. And then we'll all scramble to react or, you know, publish our pre-written stories with the, with the quote or two or a detail and add them in and, and then hit go. That's probably how it's going to happen. I have a, <clears throat> I have a question uh, that I want to pose to keep him. Okay. Let's just say they decided to keep him. What is the defense in keeping him? Look, they don't need a defense. No, I'm just asking because that's gonna that, they're gonna have to make a statement at the end whether they're keeping him or not. And when they come out and they're questioned, okay, what 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 was the decision to fire well, Jerry, keep Jerry? What are they gonna say? Okay, it, it if, be, if they engage on our terms, it's gonna be we were young and we had guys hurt, and he was coach of the year last year. Case closed. Okay, uh, and yeah. they would have. I mean, I I think Chris. I mean, you got to believe, right? They've got to get to at least four wins for them to consider keeping him i mean i i don't i just don't see them like luke that, that could be part of it too they Billy, got you're, you're making assumptions you're making assumptions and you might be right but i i you you just can't go there with them this, I, I think I've, I've used this ad i've used this adage before i have somebody's very close to me that's an addict and, and thank god that situation is finally resolving itself uh no, nobody in my immediate house i'll just leave it at that um, I, I saw things that happened for years and you're like, surely that's the bottom. Surely that's the bottom. Now we weren't, we weren't even close to the bottom. And I, I think, I think if you're trying to size Vanderbilt up and again, don't take my word for it. Look at what's in front of you. Look at the women's basketball thing. They were going to go to year six with Stephanie White. That was as bad as it could get on court, off court. I mean, God, God only knows what you would find if you went digging into that thing, but they did So. But, well, yeah, but you, you know what got it? And, 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 and I think this is what it's going to be. I think you're most likely if, – if Jerry Stackhouse gets fired, I don't think winning and losing is going to be the driver. I think it's either he's going to really tick somebody off. And, and I do think that he may lay the groundwork with some of that already. I do not think that that's pointing the finger at the administration for we can't get transfers in. I, I would bet you money. I don't know, but I would bet you money that did not go over well. The other thing is the constant roster churn of losing players, and that's what got Stephanie White done in the end. The, the, the product the was beyond turning. miserable. The kids were beyond miserable, but until players left, that that is what I'm told did her in. Now, I think what you could see happen is they could ride with Jerry's our guy and point, point the finger at all the reasons we went through before, and then you could see three or four kids leave, hit the portal, and that might be – that might be when they hit the button. Is it is if you got guys leaving because the the, the churn of yeah. players under him is pretty incredible. All right, let's go back to football real quick. I think you guys might have touched on this last week. What's the buzz out of the new strength and conditioning program? What has changed from the old program? I got a text from somebody pretty close to the program said Steiner is legit. Um, mm -hmm. He. He's been really impressive. Again, I, I, I'm looking forward to talking to him, just, you know, talking to all the coaches, all the new coaches, really. Uh, but, you know, the, these guys, I had somebody, I, 
I, I saw Quincy Skinner's uh, Instagram Instagram story. He said something about, man, that was the hardest workout I've ever been through. Um, so, yeah, all good things. And it's early. But I think, Luke, that's one of the bigger things Clark has to get perfect. I mean, you got to have – like that has to be a strength of your program. Um, and I think they're getting there. Well, I mentioned it last week. Someone asked a similar question. and the meat, he, They're back to meat and potatoes. Hard work. There's no substitute for hard work getting in there early, getting your work done. Make sure your workouts are monitored the way they should be. Uh, just holding everybody accountable, just like anything else in life. You know, if you if you go to work and the boss is over in the corner not paying any attention to you, you're going to work a little bit, sit down a little bit, get on your phone a little bit. But if he's standing there right over top of you, making sure you get your work done, then you go to class. That's what you got to have, and that, and I think I think they've done that, and that's the most important hire. There's no question. It's, it's more important than uh, changing the offense and changing the philosophy. Yeah, Billy, I'll, I'll go a little further. I think they've made four really good pivots in the offseason. I, I think having Clark um, kind of lead lead it, and he'll have help with that. Uh, I, I think I I just didn't see Nick Howell as a plus. I think offensively letting kill and, and the New Mexico State guys run it, changing philosophy to something that can win was a nice step. I think strength and conditioning was a step in the right direction. And, and I think getting serious about NIL was a step in the right direction. Now, look, I, I'm concerned that the talent is still nowhere near where it needs to be, but at least they recognize where some things need to go and, and have gone in that direction. So, All right, here's a really important question from Jerry Lawless again. Given the amount of disappointment from both football and basketball, what sort of expectations should fan have fans have heading into baseball? Um, and and Chris, we've talked about this. You know, the last two years have ended in regional losses. That, I mean, that hasn't happened very often under Tim Corbin. And home regional losses hasn't happened very often either. And that happened last year. Now they won an SEC title and they were ranked all year. You know, we I think they finished 14th preseason number seven. They should still be high. This is Tim Corbin's program. Um, but I think fans are just really curious, Chris, the offensively. Can can they hold up their end of the bargain? Um, now, the excitement, I mean, for basketball and football, the fact that they're so down, that creates – I mean, fans have started thinking about baseball long before now. <laughs> I mean, I think after the Presbyterian loss, it was, all right, you know, how, how we looking? How, you know, how's, how's baseball? Um, but, yeah, Chris – excitement but i will say the star power you know with vanderbilt you used to saying at least one or two guys you know they've got bradfield rocker and lighter they've got austin martin bladé and mm -hmm. and this pitcher you know i don't know that like carter holton is he a star um you know he's got big year to prove it a lot of prove it mm -hmm. year opportunities for these guys and a ton of depth um you know and, and that, that's a good problem to have but again i overall chris i mean it Tim Corbin's still there. You ought to be excited. Um, I think this, and I, I listened to Tim's talk with you guys yesterday. I think, Billy, you were there. Yeah, me and Joey, yep. Uh, this this team, and he kind of hinted at this, we have more depth than I can remember mm -hmm. offensively. Now, we've always had good pitching staff, seem to be, and depth there. But we now have guys fighting to get on the field. And I think that's something in the past you knew who that the nine guys in the lineup were going to be, including the DH. There's three or four positions that could go either way. 
and to keep everybody happy. And like he said, to be a good teammate and play with your toys and all that. That's that's going to be the question. Well, this you got to keep the clubhouse happy. And there's about 15 guys that can see playing time on the offensive side. Mm -hmm. And that's exciting. You know, it's funny. I was looking at D1 baseball yesterday, which is my go-to place for baseball stuff. And I I don't ever remember this happening. They they named three All-American teams, and they put like six or seven pitchers on all those teams, and they give you a lineup, and they give you two. I don't think Vanderbilt has a single guy on there unless I missed something. No, nope. I don't ever remember that happening. And and I I keep thinking this feels a little bit like 2019, where where 2018 they were they were kind of down, but they had a lot of experience, and and I think they were preseason number one then, because everybody said all right, this just feels like a year where it's going to come. But that team had a JJ Bleday, it had an Austin Martin, it had um, Kumar Rocker. We didn't know he was going to be Kumar Rocker yet. Um, and and that's kind of how it went. Uh, the star power led. I, I, they don't have that. Uh, could I see it? I could see Andrew DeCandich stepping up and, and maybe being that guy. I could see. I, I don't know that. I don't see a hitter rising to the level of Martin and Blade, but I could see them having a really deep lineup of a lot of good hitters. And as you mentioned, I think they got freshmen waiting in the wings to, to hit the power thing. Now, this just occurred to me, Billy, as you were reading through the question and, and giving me your answer. I don't know if you could find the preseason All-American teams for 2014. But I don't know that Vanderbilt had a ton of – I mean, they had star power, of course. Everybody knew yeah. Walker Bueller was good. Everybody knew Carson Fulmer was good. People that were close to it suspected Dansby Swanson would be good. But nobody was talking about any of those guys, I think, on an All – now, Fulmer might have made somebody's preseason All-American team. But, I mean, Fulmer was their, their closer through half the season. And so yeah. my, my point being, um, and, and that was a different situation. That was a team that was young and not a team that was old. There's all kinds of mixed signals around this. I think they're going to be good. Can I can I give you a scenario where they're the last team standing? Yeah. Can I give you a scenario where this looks a lot like last year? I can also give you that. Yeah, and, you know, last year, Chris, remember in 2019, 2018, they lost in that super at home to Mississippi State. And that next season, they end up beating Mississippi State in Omaha in route to the national title. Um, so I think you could see last year proved to be really important for this year. And you have a lot of those guys back from, from last yeah. year that went through. I mean, that regional loss had to be awful. I mean, I, I can't imagine with that delay and everything – so they can, you know, and the freshmen coming in, there's some there's some freshmen that are going to play. Cam Kozel is is a good player. He could get some time at second. Ethan McIlvain was compared to Carson Fulmer uh, by Tim Corbin. R.J. Austin, I think, will have a breakout season. So we got plenty of time to talk baseball. But, yeah, Chris, I'm with you. You know, I could see them having a year like last year, but I could also see them in Omaha. Um, and we're going to see, Chris, in today's day of college baseball, you're looking at teams like LSU, Tennessee, um, mm -hmm. Arkansas is more like Vandy still, where they pitch. You know, they don't hit for a ton of power. Um, Wake Forest, just uber talented teams that <clears throat> dominated in the portal, right? Yeah. LSU, Tennessee, Wake. You know, Arkansas and Vandy are not the are not huge portal teams. Van Horn and Corbin are not the biggest fans of the portal, but 
Vanderbilt used it a little bit. And they think they used it for their need. Um, you know, so that'll be interesting. It, you know, can teams like Vandy and Arkansas uh, and even Virginia, you know, some of those old traditional powers, you know, from I say old, you know, 10 years ago or so, can they, can their style still win? That, that's what I'll like. Can Vanderbilt, you know, win with pitching and defense? That, that's what I'm excited to see this year. So baseball almost two weeks away. Uh, FAU uh, next, uh, not next weekend, but the next. Uh, okay, let's keep rolling. Let's see here. Uh, okay, Godors94. It's my view that Stackhouse, I know we're bouncing around here. It's my view that Stackhouse hasn't been recruiting at a high enough level to be successful here. What do you attribute this to? Is it lack of effort? Is it inability to identify the right players? Uh, does he not connect or relate with the players and the recruits? Is it a staff issue? Anybody care to comment? <laughs> no comment. That was a lot. If, no. if only somebody would have laid out all the reasons this wouldn't work four years ago. Yeah, I'll just I'll go back and and got that killed question. for it. And here we are. Yeah. No credit to you, Chris. You were right about everything. Can you let my wife hear that, please? <laughs> Can we, can we clip that and just maybe make that my my ringtone on my phone? That that, that might work. <laughs> yeah, I think you I think you guys know that our answers uh, to that. <laughs> okay, here's a good one. Papa Hick four VU. How likely is it, in your opinion, that JRT returns next season? That's a good question because I think if that for the if there's a new coach, that new coach needs to look at that film and say, I need to keep this kid. You know, I mean, he's he is a he's got potential. Um, you know, he's it's really just been flashes, but I mean, he's got real potential, I think. Um, and then you know, high school wise, I think Tyler Tanner from the kid from Brentwood Academy who had 51 points last night is a guy you probably should keep. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's like I said, it's hard to answer that right now. Uh, let's see. Is the prognosis for Colin Smith to be ready at the start of next season, or will it be longer than that? I would think he'd be ready for next season. I don't think it might be a might be a Joey Dwyer question there. Yeah. Um, okay. Billy, I'll, I'll yeah, ask that's, that's, those. Those are tough. I mean, I don't know how much you got. Well, I know Luke, you're bright. Remember Mike Soroka, all-star pitcher. Yeah. I think made an all-star game at 22. Up-and-coming yeah. guy. He tears his Achilles in 2020. I think – I don't remember if he was warming up for a start or what. That guy just now, I think, came back last year. I think the Braves traded him. Um, look, you, you got to do a lot of work with your legs and pushing off. Mm -hmm. I get it. I'm not, I'm not saying it's, it's completely different. But basketball, you're running, you're jumping, you're doing all those things. And I don't know the severity of, of that compared to that, but, like, I would think your Achilles would be more um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Definitely. I would think it would be a bigger obstacle to come back in basketball than it was in baseball. Um, and so I'm just – and I hope I'm wrong about that. I sincerely wish Colin Smith yeah. the best. Oh, oh, this time next year he's back and he's given Vanderbilt 20 and 10 a night. But I'm just – after what I saw with Soroka, I'm concerned. Yeah. All right, got one more. And I think it's a good one. 
RM Spitzer, 74, how much of the quarterback mismanagement and overall poor offensive performance last year do you think was on Lynch versus Lee, and do you think things will be better or different with the new OC and Coach Kill involved? Um, I think Clark would, would take, like, if you ask Clark, he would say he made some mistakes offensively uh, in terms of managing the quarterbacks last year. Um whether it's quarterback specific or just overall offensive, like Clark didn't do um, what it took as a head coach last year offensively, which is why, and Luke, we've talked about this, you're seeing him kind of washing his hands offensively. Um, you know, and, and I that takes a lot for, for a head coach to do that and admit that, listen, I, I don't need to be involved offensively. Um, you know, and, and and Clark has taken that step. It's got to be different. I mean, last year you went two and ten. It, it, how different will it be? That's the question. You know, you you brought in Jerry Kill, Tim Beck, Diego Pavia, Blaze Berlowitz. You brought in the two best quarterbacks on New Mexico State last year. You brought in their offensive masterminds. So it's going to be different. Um, again, can can that get them over the edge? You could argue Clark Lee's tenure is on the is. Uh, kind of on the table here in the hands of New Mexico State, you know, and, and the coaches that led them to a 10-win you know, season last year. Um, and I do think, Luke, it's a strategic move. They got a lot out of that New Mexico State team with, let's face it, not a ton of talent. I mean, they had – Pavia's a good player, but, you know, I don't know that Pavia is a Power 5 quarterback. Um, now, again, I could be wrong. We, he, we, we could see Diego Pavia lead them to some, some success this year, but um, – Luke, it, it's got to be different or else, you know, th th this is going to be a tough end of the tenure. Um, I talked to a lot of kids that were former players on Franklin's teams and Mason's bowl teams and uh, even back to some of the teams when Cutler played. One of the things they kept saying about this team in the last couple of years has been a toughness, that they don't mm -hmm. see an, anybody with any edge and leadership and uh, that type of thing. That's where I think we're going to be a lot better. When you take a kid like Pavia, who was a, a wrestler in high school, tough-minded kid, came from a tough situation, that's the type of kid you like as a leader. Yeah. You know, Jay Cutler was a leader for Vanderbilt when he played. And Jay, you know, Jay's dad was a state trooper. He didn't grow up with a silver spoon in his mouth. And uh, I just feel like they're leaning toward getting – in fact, some of the transfers are this way tougher minded kids that have had tough situations uh, like a Jamie Winborn when he, the, mm -hmm. that type of kid, they're getting more of those type of players. And I think that's what this team needs was an injection of that as much as anything. And I think they've done that. You know, Luke, you said something that, that kind of spawned a thought in my head here. I, I never could identify at any point in the season before, during who their leaders were. I mean, I, I yeah. think C.J. Taylor might have been the closest to it. But when you're a safety and, and you're hurt half the year, it's probably hard to lead. I, I think maybe there's there's something in all that that you just said that helps them going forward. And offensively, specifically. You know, you said you said yes. a defensive player there, yes. Chris. Offense, you got to score, man. I mean, you, you have to. I'm not saying Vandy's got to score 35, 40 a game, um, but – they got to score, and and off the offense has to be better, and so you need leaders on offense. Can Nate Johnson be a leader? 
if it ends up being Pavia, because we know Vanderbilt quarterbacks struggle to stay healthy, um, you know, can one of those receivers, the offensive line, you offensive leaders, I think, have to emerge for this team to do what what they think they can do. So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. But that, that's pretty much all the mailbag. I think I bounced around a lot there. Had a lot of fun today, didn't we, guys? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that was only an hour. How many days till baseball? We get 14, 13? Yeah, uh, I can't wait to get out there. Uh, I've, I've not – I've not been able to. Uh, we'll probably try to have a baseball podcast or two coming up. Uh, my my schedule right now with Southeastern 14 is just wall-to-wall. Um, yeah, I've got a big uh, season preview coming out Friday, Friday morning, uh, with a lot of info on kind of depth chart stuff and you know some of Corbin's yeah. quotes. Um, yeah, it, the weather was great yesterday, and being able to you know see Corbs and they, he Carter Holton and R.J. Austin spoke, and it just kind of felt like baseball a little bit. It probably won't last for too long, but the spring is near. Watch your baseball, eat your ice cream, mm. do your laundry, donate to the collective. Don't get hurt in an accident. If you do, we know who you should call. And that's also the same if you need a government contract. You know, it's been a it's been a miserable few years of this. Um it's just it's just been hard to know what to say. Like you want to warn people of the train wreck that's coming, and you wish people would pay attention to the warning signs. You wish the adults in the room would take a little bit more control. And really, I think you wish the school would serve the people it's supposed to be serving. And this just gotten so far off track. I mean, it's been hard to keep it in. It, it really has. I, I, I yeah. get I get angry when, when I see the, the links that people will go to to keep their jobs and not to do them and when people get caught in the middle. And I'm really – I'm not here to serve the school. I'm, I'm here to serve the fans. And it just – it every time you see something like Saturday, it just upsets you because I know how many people are putting in time and money – and energy for something that was really kind of never going to work in the first place. I don't know. I, I hope this is the year, you know, it's an election year in our country. Everybody's really polarized. Um, we, we need some unity. And, and one way you got, you got fans in the stands. You got some that are blue and some that are red. But one thing that brings everybody together, when, when you're in the stands and you're next to your neighbor and your ideology might be completely different than theirs. But when Tyron Lawrence hits a buzzer beater and wins a game or, or whatever it is, all that goes away. All that goes away. People are high-fiving each other. They're celebrating. You've got a chance to bring unity. They're just doing the things that everybody else does to create a good product. And I don't see effort enough on part of the school. I know facilities and no NIL, but I still think from the top down, I don't know an organization that survives with horrible leadership. I mean, name, name me one anywhere. And I just, I just continue to look at the school going in the same directions year after year after year. I don't know. 
I, I hope there, I hope that something changes. I hope that there's a straw that breaks the camel's back somewhere that, that finally somebody in charge of things looks up and says, Hey, look, we have to make a complete and clean break from the past. Otherwise you see what is going to happen. If that, hope if that somebody, person, hope somebody over there's got the guts to do that. I was just going to say that if, if that person's out there, there's going to be some happy Vandy fans. If not, you know, we're, we're just going to get the same old, same old, but for now, I think fans could use a trip to Omaha. That would probably help yeah. a lot. You, you talk about what is in front of you. That's what our job to do on this is. Yeah. And, and I, I hope that we get new material, but, but until some things change, um, but I, I'll tell you this, I, I can't be doing this podcast in five years if it's still the same. I, I just, I can't do it anymore. Um, you know, but, but the, the, but the, the school writes the script and the material will still be the same until somebody's got the guts to step in and change it. And that's, that's where we are. All right. Thanks to Billy and Luke for joining me today. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our sponsors. I'm Chris Lee. This has been the Vandy sports podcast presented by Anchor Impact.